All right, Baldry's beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Okay, busy news day. Adrian yeah. Dix has a big announcement coming up here later this morning. Yeah, Dix is going to have a news conference at 1130. He's going to basically lay out where we're at with hospitalizations right now. We're at a huge number of people in hospital. Uh, we've got, um, I think, more than 10, as I reported last night, more than 10,000 people in hospital, in hospital beds. In fact, 10,208 people are in hospital right now. We have 9,200 base beds. And we've got 20, almost 2,500 um, surge beds. So there's a lot of people in hospital right now who are not in a traditional hospital bed. There's about oh, about 1,000 people either in hallways, closets, um, in, occupying these surge beds, which are not your traditional, but they're there to be used in case of a big uptick. So we're seeing the cumulative effect is a lot of people in hospital with respiratory illnesses. Uh, we're seeing... Uh, also, people in post-op because there were not, not a lot of surgeries done over the Christmas holiday because no one wants to book your elective surgery to get your gallbladder out or whatever uh, to ruin your Christmas holiday. So it all yeah. occurs sort of post-Christmas. So that's also occurring now. So as a result, we've got 20 major hospitals, uh, which are COVID centers, and they're going to have um, emergency response centers set up, similar to what Children's Hospital's done to to wow. um, deal with this surge of patients and to get people home. You know, not occupy a hospital bed if you don't have to. You know, anyone who's been around a hospital, you don't want to be in a hospital because that's if you want to get infected, go to a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's in your self interest to get out of hospital as quickly as you can. So that's the other thing that's going to come out today is just the support. Uh, is going to be there to get people back in their homes. So it's uh, it's a very crowded, and, and some hospitals are worse off than others. I'm told that Nanaimo General, Surrey General, Royal Inland, and Kamloops are three really crowded hospitals right now. Royal Inland's been crowded for months. It's just, you know, they've been over capacity. So, uh, yeah, our healthcare system, and as Adrian Dick said yesterday at his news conference announcing those pharmacare uh, changes, that January is going to be a very busy month. Uh, when it comes to people being hospitalized. Okay, br- you're breaking some news here. So this is be all be confirmed at 1130 at a news conference with the health minister. So when you talk about these, uh, this, uh, they're going to bring in extra capacity then for people? Or what's what's the plan I'm not there? sure exactly how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, but there's just going to be added resources to deal with the surge of, uh, of uh, patients and also to try to expedite people getting home as quickly as possible and not occupy space if you yeah. don't have to. Wow. It's in your interest, again, medically, not to sit around and in a hospital bed if you don't have to. It's much better to recover at home than in a hospital. Let's have a listen to Dix here speaking yesterday. So here's the health minister talking about the uh, new sub-variants of of COVID. Have a listen. Whether this sub-variant will have a massive incremental effect compared to what we already face, uh, we don't know. But obviously the response and the need to respond by continuing to have people get vaccinated remains, uh, remains paramount in my mind. This is the Kraken subvariant he's talking about there, right? Yeah, so that's uh, that accounted for forty percent of all the COVID cases detected last week in the United States. Seventy-five percent of the cases in the Northeast sector of, of uh, the United States, particularly New York City. This is not necessarily a more severe variant, but it's more transmissible, so it can it can infect people more. And so, again, the urgency is now get your booster doses, get your third or fourth dose uh, if, you, if you qualify, as most people do right now, uh, to ward off getting this particular infection. I just ran into a friend of mine who's been deathly ill for the last week or so, just recovering. He's had, his, uh, he's had one booster. He's had three doses. 
but he says it still laid him flat out on his back. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have to go to hospital, thank goodness, but um, in, not entirely sure whether he has COVID or whether it was just uh, RSV, which is... On, as I reported last night, the disease is on the, on the rise right now. COVID is up in terms of hospitalizations and up in terms of general detection. But RSV, which has always been here, but we didn't really detect it along with flu for two or three years because of the pandemic, is now influenza is now declining. But RSV is up significantly, and that's a serious disease as well. Here's another interesting thing that Adrian Dick said yesterday about the potential for a lag effect in new cases of people who got infected over Christmas. Have a listen to this. What we haven't seen yet is what we've seen in some previous years, which is the impact of the Christmas break on COVID-19, on influenza, and on RSV. What does that mean? It could get worse here. It could because uh, there's a lag effect with these respiratory illnesses. You may pick up the virus, you know, on day one, but you don't really feel the effects until day three or four. Uh, so we haven't seen the, the impact necessarily of some of these New Year's Eve gatherings, for example. Not mm. so much Christmas because that's yeah. some days ago, but New Year's Eve just a few days ago. But we haven't, interestingly enough, I was talking to Dix about this uh, uh, yesterday, um, we didn't see a big, huge increase in emergency room visits on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, which is interesting because this is the first time we really had a lot of parties mm. and a lot of socializing, and that didn't yeah. result in a lot of emergency calls, which is encouraging. But we'll see if that increases in the an uptick in the hospitalizations. Okay, more news coming later on this this morning. Let's uh, take a look at what's going on down in the, the U.S. Congress here oh, where yeah. Kevin McCarthy, looks like he's lost again here. <laughs> Twelve in a row here now. He appears to have lost in his bid to become wow. the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Looks like he's flipped a couple of people over to his side, but still not enough. Have a listen to this. Now, here's one of the holdouts. The guy, one of the guys who's really against him is uh, U.S. Representative Matt Gates, Republican yep. from Florida. So you'll hear him here, and then you'll hear McCarthy. Have a listen to this. How do you see this ending? Not with Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Mr. McCarthy's been recalcitrant to that. He's lied about us. He's lied to us. We're not voting for him. Look, I, I have the record for the longest speech ever on the floor. I don't have a problem getting a record for the most votes for speaker, too. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess he, I don't know if he's got the record already, but... <laughs> you got to go back to the 1850s uh, to see a, a parallel to what we're seeing in Washington, D.C. The Republican Party is just torn apart. You've got MAGA people, you've got ultra-MAGA people who don't even speak to each other, uh, and you've got the moderates, of, of which there are very few, and they just cannot agree on a speaker. And the Democrats are sitting back watching and saying, fine, fill your boots, tear each other apart for as long as you want. But it is going to be a crisis. If there's no House of Representatives, um, it does affect committees. It affects potentially national security. Uh, so hopefully they can sort this out, but it's fascinating to watch McCarthy go... Um, one humiliating loss after another. I suspect he will become the speaker here at some point here in the days ahead, but it, he'll probably have to give a bunch of concessions to these hardliners. Well, he's already given these crazy concessions. Yeah. Uh, uh, it basically makes the speaker's role almost uh, powerless uh, to give in to this rump faction of the Republican Party. And who knows? I mean, the speculation the Democrats could coalesce around some moderate Republican uh, alternative. Oh. Now, their guy, Jeffries, is right on the edge. You know, he's close to winning this himself. I'm not sure he's going to get there. But, again, it's unprecedented what's going on down there. Okay. Let me ask you about the, the interview we just did a little earlier yeah, on the show that. about sports gambling, because I know you were listening to that. So I interviewed yeah. a guy named Declan Hill, who is, like, one of the leading experts in sports gambling in, in the U.S., 
And we talked about the, the surge in sports gambling. When you watch sports on TV right now, it's like saturation advertising for sports gambling websites. And you see these big stars on there yeah. endorsing these like sites like, like Wayne Gretzky. And he took a real crack at Gretzky saying, Gretzky shouldn't be doing this. He should not be endorsing gambling sites. What do you think about that? Well, it's a complete flip-flop. For years and years and years, professional sports wanted no part of gambling. Yeah. And, and in fact, they would suspend players. Pete Rose, oh, yeah. for example. Right. Uh, never in the Hall of Fame, uh, all-time hits leader, uh, because uh, it was gambling. Yeah. Uh, the NFL suspended two superstar players in the 60s, Paul Hornin and Alex Karras, for, for an entire year because they bet on games. Yeah. And now you've got uh, these athletes just and the leagues themselves yeah. wholly endorsing gambling. I think it's a recognition that gambling is basically part of society. I mean, how many of us are in fantasy football pools or fantasy baseball pools? Players themselves are in fantasy football pools. So that whole fantasy pool thing, I think, was the the spark that uh, really lit the fuse here to get gambling into a more accepted um, But do you agree with him? Do you think Gretzky should be staying well, away from having these? said that, I was taken the first time I saw Gretzky looking almost like a Bond villain in front of a <laughs> casino on TV talking about betting. I thought, yeah. nah, come on. You know, I, I think athletes take a bit of a risk to associate themselves with this, but I think it's also recognition that, hey. Well, it's big money. You, you can't I mean, stop it. You're making a lot of money with these hype of endorsements, like Tom Brady endorsing crypto. You know, there's lots of money out there. And again, but, you know, how much money does Brady make as an NFL quarterback? Yeah. He makes a lot of money. You, how, how much, much more, more do you need? need? Do you yeah. need to necessarily tarnish your reputation in the, in the quest for more dollars? Baldry's B phone lines are open. If you phone now, you will get through. 604-280-9898 is the number. Star 9898 on your cell. Dave in White Rock. Hi, Dave. Go ahead. Oh, hey, guys. Um, the sports betting, um, I don't mind people having, you know, a choice to do their advertising whatever, but for every second, I think that these pro athletes have their image advertised for the betting they should have to spend one hour at a like a gambling recovery type meeting or something. So maybe they'd think twice. You know, having a thirty second commercial would mean thirty yeah. hours. I think it might stop it. <laughs> well, gambling addiction is a serious issue. I did a, a series a number of years ago on gambling, and the number of people I found who had serious gambling addiction issues yeah. was quite alarming. Where they literally jeopardized their f- family finances. Uh, by by betting ridiculous sums of money because and it's it's a bit of an illness a bit of a mental health issue and caller raises a good point I mean athletes are associating themselves with a with a an activity that has a significant downside for many people this isn't a harmless activity gambling the is a very is, bad thing for some people the thing is though like you like you said earlier like. I I believe it should be legalized and strictly regulated because, you know, people are going to bet anyway. I mean, there were offshore online sites that were taking bets long before it was, quote unquote, legalized. So, you know, I think the the regulations have got to be effective, though. And whether you put restrictions on celebrity endorsements is one thing. But there's also the the potential for corruption and match fixing. Like one of the there's an investigation going on in the UFC and mixed martial arts about fight fixing, you know, and and the government of Ontario and their in their public web betting site over there they said we're and not taking bets on ufc and anymore. that's why gambling was always seen as a as an illness by professional sports and amateur sports i mean college yeah. college basketball had a crisis in the 50s and 60s with with uh, 
uh, score fixing. Sure. Uh, point, point shaving. Point shaving. Yeah. And uh, again, all linked to gambling. And it's, yeah. it's a bit taken aback when you see professional athletes who are in fantasy football pools themselves or hockey pools themselves suddenly yeah. take an interest publicly in gambling. It's amazing how it's changed. Like we played a clip oh, earlier is. of Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, who's saying like, you know, the integrity of our sport is paramount. We're opposed to gambling. And now they're they're like endor- publicly endorsing Gleefully a whole bunch endorsing. of different gambling I mean, sites. And in yeah. saying that ad that's running right now about how you you, you bet on everything in your life. Yeah, including, including <laughs> yeah. the next time you're going to go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah. And, and so everything's it, a bet. So. Everything's a bet. So bet on the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Six zero four two eight zero ninety eight ninety eight is the number. Star ninety eight ninety eight on your cell. Corey in Vancouver. Hi. Hey guys. I just uh, wanted to give you you know a little experience of what I've had in the hospital. I had a surgery yeah. back in October, and then a couple days after, I started feeling ill, and then for twelve days, I just couldn't. I was completely vomiting lost 20 pounds. It was just horrible. Anyway, mm-hmm. I had to go into the hospital, so I think that's twice at Surrey Memorial, and then once we ended up going to Royal Fleming to get better treatment, but just total disorganization. They, I mean, they, they ordered blood work, and they canceled it, and then they came back and take blood work again, and they lost it. And, and it's just just total disorganization. And I, well, everyone, you, everything you hear is totally yeah, well, one of the problems plaguing our healthcare system right now, just like many other systems, is uh, a staff shortage. Yeah, which right. does cause right. disorganization and chaos. Just a like, lot of the like, staff are sick. A so. lot of stuff. Like usually, I think um, there's about seven to eight thousand healthcare workers uh, calling sick one day a week. Now it's that's about fifteen, sixteen thousand a week. Yeah. So it's basically doubled uh, in recent weeks, and that has a profound impact on the operations. Let's go to James on the line of White Rock. Hi, James. Go ahead. Hi there. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, Keith, you, you probably know something a little bit about the racetrack. When I was younger, I used to ride yep. or exercise racehorses. And when you signed your license, if you got caught betting, you lost your license. Mm. And then you couldn't participate in the sport anywhere with the Ontario Jockey Club. Yep. So you were banned in the country. So why don't they do that with professional athletes? When you become a professional athlete, you can't bet. You can't mm. promote betting. How hard is that? Yeah, that was always a part of uh, horse racing. I'm, I used to go to Exhibition Park, now Hastings Park as a kid all the time and bet, and there was always, were the jockeys betting? You know, <laughs> you see some of the jockeys, some of the horses would hold up just before the finish line. You're like, yeah. what? Did he... So, yeah, again, gambling was not supposed to be part of the industry there, even though the horse racing is basically all about gambling. That's what it is. Right, it's yeah. like you're, you're going to the park to bet on the ponies. Well, it's that's all inter- gambling. That's an interesting point that the caller raises because, like, should current athletes, like, it's one thing for a retired superstar like Gretzky to be involved, but when Connor you have, like, McDavid? Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, all these big no, stars. I, I don't, I, that's where I would draw the line. I don't think yeah. existing players should, should be that's part of this it. at all. Yeah. Uh, retirees, fine, take the money and run, I suppose, but yeah. current players, it's just not a good look. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.